Welcome to Home Ice Advantage. I am, of course, your host, Colin, and today we have a very special episode of Home Ice Advantage. In another history episode, just like Green Acres and the Ballad of Stormy the Ice Hog, I'll be giving you more information about an important piece of Hurricanes history. This is the first round of the 2009 Stanley Cup playoffs. The Carolina Hurricanes forced the New Jersey Devils and this spectacular ending that still lives in the heart of every Kaniac to this day. Before we get into it, please consider subscribing to the show, share it with your friends. I'm not going to make this go on forever. Let's get into it. 9,393 days of frustration. And on the 9394th day of NHL existence, the Carolina Hurricanes have won the Stanley Cup. Welcome to Home Ice Advantage. With historical perspectives, modern-day deep dives, special guests, and a healthy mix of good, bad, and or hot takes, this is the best place for you to learn about your Carolina home games. I just want to say thank you, and I'm looking forward to this challenge. It's an honor, and I think we're going to do great things. It had been two years since the Carolina Hurricanes sat atop the hockey world. Peter Carmanos had a dream that hockey would work in Carolina. And guess what? He was right. Congratulations to Jimmy Rutherford, Peter Laviolette, all the players on the Hurricanes. Rod Brindamore, I'm proud to present this to you. Earlier in the 2008-2009 season, general manager Jimmy Rutherford dismissed head coach Peter Laviolette after just 25 games. It's really not about the last four or five games. It's about changing to get the chemistry back on our team, said Rutherford. Our team hasn't adjusted over the last couple of years. A month prior to his dismissal, Laviolette became the most winningest American-born coach of all time, a record he would lose shortly after his dismissal and regain and lose several more times through the coming years, battling John Tortorella, but that's not the point of this story. His replacement in 2009 was a familiar face in Carolina. Paul is always on my mind. Everybody knows he's a good friend of mine. Rutherford had decided to return to Paul Maurice. Maurice had been the team's head coach during its relocation to North Carolina and took the team to the Stanley Cup Finals in 2002, losing to Scotty Bowman's Detroit Red Wings in five. He was fired shortly into the 2004 season on December 15, 2003. Almost five years to the day, December 3rd, 2008, Rutherford announced his return to Raleigh. The team would clinch a postseason spot with just four games left in the regular season. Carolina has control. Now it's forged ahead by Babchuk to an open corner. Joni Pickenin fronts by Brooks Orpik. Orpik now, Pickenin stays with it. Stalin from that chance. Fleury shuts it down. It's poked wide. To the corner it goes. Moving up. Babchuk hit hard by Orpik. And now Malkin overskated, Stahl holding, dropping it off for Whitney, his shot goes high, Stahl has the rebound, a wrap chance off of Fleury, it's loose along the boards, Whitney now spins off a man, sets up Gleason going wide, Babchuk, his shot, scores! Hey, hey, what do you say? The Canes are going back to the Stanley Cup playoffs! Anton Babchuk scored 1 minute and 11 seconds into overtime against the Pittsburgh Penguins. The Hurricanes won fire. Babchuk's OT winner would mark the organization's 8th win in a row, and 11th at the RBC Center. Streaks that would be extended 3 days later when the New York Islanders came to town. A 9-0 final result would set a franchise record for the most wins at home in a row. It was a great time to be a Hurricanes fan. No one even cared when they dropped the last two games of the season to Buffalo, New Jersey. Sure, home ice advantage is important, but could your complaints be taken seriously after a nine-game winning streak? With the standings being tight, the Hurricanes wouldn't know their first-round opponents until after the final horn sounded in New Jersey and the team boarded a plane back to Raleigh Dorm International. Luke DeCock of Raleigh's News & Observer summed it up pretty well once the final results were in, with his refresh to the famous line from Casablanca. Of all the arenas in the world, the Devils 
Why did it have to be the Devils? The Hurricanes would face the New Jersey Devils for the fourth straight postseason appearance. In the previous three matchups, the winning team went all the way to the Stanley Cup Finals. 97 points puts us in the mix of the top 10 teams. According to Paul Maurice, We're going to hit a team that over the season has shown to be better than we are. But by the end of the season, we feel that we're in the mix. We have some confidence, but certainly don't have any arrogance. A regular season matchup favored the Hurricanes, who only lost one of the four meetings. But in none of the games did the team's top netminders face off. In November, New Jersey's Martin Brodeur had surgery to repair a tendon that completely tore off the bone of his left elbow. He missed almost four months of the regular season. By the time he was healthy for what would be the Hurricanes' final game of the season, Maurice had decided to rest goaltender Cam Ward. New Jersey was favored going into the series as winners of the Metro Division. Carolina was a distant second, nine points behind the Washington Capitals in the Southeast Division. But the Hurricanes won fire, right? The playoffs were all about momentum, right? Plus, Bordeaux had a history with the Hurricanes. Devils center Scott Gomez. To see Marty get pulled, it just doesn't happen so often. It just happens against Carolina. I think it's kind of weird. The first game was played in Prudential Center, nicknamed The Rock, after the Rock of Gibraltar used in the insurance company's logo. Since December, his second stint as coach of this team has begun. Paul Maurice said this morning the Devils would love to get into an up-tempo, energy-up game at the start. Both teams will work endlessly. This could be a one or two play game every game this series. Brent Sutter might agree to that, that one or two plays will make a huge difference because the work ethic is so strong on the part of both. You're right, Brent Sutter was asked, is his team ready? He says, we're as ready as we can be. And we're gonna find out here very shortly if that's true. Hurricanes players seem to leave their skill back home. We were a little jittery coming out of the gate. These are the words of Paul Maurice. You expect it to wear off, but we could never seem to get back on track. New Jersey would take game one, four to one. Last year, this house was more nightmare than jubilation, but here the fans are on their feet. The team, the Devils, feeling really good about their start to this playoffs, and they're hoping that a love affair develops between them and this crowd. It was only one of two games in what would turn out to be a seven-game series decided by more than a single goal. Cam Ward and Martin Brodeur practically matched stat lines during the regular season. The only difference was the length of their campaigns. Ward played 68 games with a 916 save percentage and a 2.44 goals against average. Martin Bordor played a little less than half as many games as Ward, thanks to the surgery mentioned earlier. In 31 games, he had a 916 save percentage and allowed an average of, get this, 2.42 goals against. Don't get me wrong, Bordor is no slouch. He is considered to be one of the best goalies to ever play the game, mentioned in the same breath as Patrick Waugh and Ken Dryden. During his 17 years in the NHL, he won the Calder Memorial Trophy, three Stanley Cups, five William M. Jennings trophies, appeared in nine NHL All-Star games, and won four Vesna trophies. Thanks to his soldier surgery, Brodeur wasn't a finalist for the Vesna for the first time in five seasons. But Brodeur was missing an important piece of hardware that Cam Ward took home in his fourth season, a Con Smythe. Awarded to the most valuable player in the Stanley Cup playoffs, Cam Ward was awarded the trophy at the end of the 2006 Cinderella season that saw the Hurricanes win the Stanley Cup in a magical Game 7 on home ice. Game 2 was a goalie duel. Both netminders allowed a power play goal in the first period before stopping everything else until the end of regulation. A little less than three minutes into overtime, I'll hand it off to John Forslund and Chip Tracy. Soft win by the Devils, it comes back. Rodeur wipes it along, Gianta shies away from Cole. In deep for Stahl, wrap chance denied by Bordeaux. Route two taken down, and now with it is Joe Corvo. One-timer, Gleason, they score! Hey, hey, what do you say? The Canes win game two in overtime. Oh boy, Tim Gleason's father 
drove in from Detroit with his uncle to make sure he would see his son play in his first two playoff games. And heroes are born, unlikely heroes at that, in overtime hockey in the Stanley Cup playoffs. A slap shot from Tim Gleason, a little less than three minutes into overtime, would tie the series at one. Game three, the first of which to be played in Raleigh, played out in a similar fashion. Both goalies faced over 30 shots again. They each allowed two goals going into the third period and then were perfect through the final 20 minutes of regulation. But this time, it was the Devils' turn to be the overtime spoilers on the road. A pass, getting it back. Parise goes to work. Zach Parise cutting. Stick handling by LaRose. His shot blocked in front. Rebound. What a save. But they score. Travis Sajak gets the overtime winner for New Jersey. New Jersey's Travis Sajak tapped in a rebound five minutes into the extra frame after Ward overextended himself to make the initial save. The Devils lead the series 2-1. Everyone on the Hurricanes roster knew what they needed to do in Game 4. Another loss would almost certainly lead to a series loss in Newark in Game 5. Alternate captain Eric Stahl opened up scoring 7 minutes and 44 seconds into the game. Seidenberg through the center zone coming up on White. Dropping it off for Root to a backhander. Stopped by Bordeaux and they score! Eric Stahl picks it out of midair and Carolina is off and running. 63 seconds later, the Hurricanes do it again. Carolina out shooting New Jersey 7-3 here at the outset and getting a goal from Eric Stahl. In neutral ice, it's Whitney detected by Paul Martin. Martin stolen by Whitney, drops it off for Cullen, moving up his Pitkinen. Yoni Pitkinen with a shot, fought off and covered by Brodeur, he lost control. Carolina dogs it, here's a chance, they score! Six minutes and 30 seconds into the second period, the Hurricanes do it again. Gleason giving Zubris a shove. Horvos, you see it from ice level. Out they come. Rose, three on three. Going wide. Shooting one. Put in the save. And they score! Chad LaRose! When Chad LaRose scored a third unanswered goal, six minutes and 30 seconds into the second period, it looked like the Canes were going to get the job done. Hockey is the most superstitious sport I have ever followed. Patrick Waugh would talk to his goalposts. Wayne Gretzky had to drink a certain drink in a certain order, and don't get me started about captains touching the conference trophies. But I do fully believe in the hockey gods. No, I don't believe in some omnipotent being of the NHL. That's a little silly. I see the hockey gods as an undeniable set of rules of the game. If you're facing your former stalled player for the first time after a messy breakup, expect them to score a couple of goals. If you're a player close to a milestone goal, well, you're going to go scoreless for an unnatural amount of time. Is your team leading by three goals? Well, you're about to lose control of the game. Carolina was on the power play with a minute left in the second period. Hurricanes fellow commentator Chip Tracy gave awards to what most hockey fans were thinking. I think we'll have to figure out, has Carolina been that masterful? Or has New Jersey literally left their goaltender on that clothesline hanging him out to dry? Because this has been a dominating performance. 30 seconds later, Jersey's Brian Gianta gets a breakaway chance and beats Ward on his blocker side. Moments later, Tracy added, That'll give New Jersey life. They would go on to score two more unanswered goals, tying the game at three. With 11 minutes remaining in regulation, Paul Maurice called his timeout to try and get his team back into the game. Each club had their chances as the clock counted down to what could be the second overtime in this still young series. Chip Tracy again summed up the situation pretty well. Well, this is, and the fans are trying to help it along, this is the very definition of gut check time. Carolina, a picture-perfect effort through just about, I'm going to say, 30 minute, 39 minutes and 30 seconds. Gianta scores right after that to make it 3-1. Should have been about 6 or 7-1 had it not been for Marty Berger. Clarkson sets up, Shanahan's goal with a screen, and then ties it. 
This is where you just have to dig. I mean, really dig and find the confidence that is wavering to still get the result. And then you won't care how you want it. The RBC center faithful started to stand with a minute left in regulation. I want to believe it was as a result of the fans' support that Carolina took complete control of the game again. Brewer faced three shots in the final 20 seconds. You see Jokinen, Jokinen steams away from Madden, holding on to it. You see Jokinen paddle down for Brodeur. Out of the corner now, Martin played along the boards. Pickinen settles it down. One-timer, Soderberg. Martin Bordor stood in his crease with his goal resting on the top of the net. He was glaring at the officials. Paul Maurice stood behind the Carolina bench and shrugged his shoulders. Everyone knew they scored, but did they do it in time? John, this is going to be close. This is going to go upstairs. Rob Schick is the supervisor, as will Toronto be involved and hit a skate on the way and That's not the issue. Had time expired. The Devils have stayed on the ice and on the bench. Carolina, you thought they needed an intermission based on the way things went. It's the Devils that needed the intermission. What an absolute relentless assault. And it doesn't matter, we need to get a clock on the monitor here. That is the issue. But after an official review, it was determined that the Hurricanes beat the clock by two-tenths of a second. Carolina would go back to New York in a tied series. Bordor was visibly upset, smashing his stick into the board while leaving the ice. Going into Game 5, the Devils begin to complain about the officiating, specifically physical plays around the net. But it would be New Jersey's David Clarkson who gets called for interference on Cam Ward. Both teams would continue to play physical in front of the crease. 15 minutes into the game, Chad LaRose gets into a foot race for a puck deep into the Devils' zone. He gets a stick caught on the Devils' defender and collides with Bordeaux, who left his crease to play the puck. While falling to the ice, LaRose's skate ends up cutting Bordeaux's right leg, leading to medical attention being needed by New Jersey's goaltender. Game 5, like the previous four games, was a goalie duel. In fact, it might have been the best performance for both goalkeepers of the entire series. Each facing over 40 shots, only one goal was allowed the entire game. David Clarkson would score on the power play, giving New Jersey a one-goal lead at the halfway point of the second period. The shutout would be Bordeaux's 23rd postseason shutout, which tied Patrick Waugh's all-time record. Cam Ward was defiant in his post-game interview. Marty stood tall, but the Devils beat us. Marty did not beat us. Paul Maurice, like any head coach, set the example. I don't come away from this game thinking we got robbed. But it was Eric Stahl who laid out the game plan. We were all over them. We just didn't score. We have to stay positive. Stay with it. Get a win at home and come back here for game seven and get her done. Yes, he actually said get her done. Welcome back to 2009. Stahl would post three points in the must-win game. The Caniacs were loud from the start of the game. Let's go Canes! Let's go Canes! Let's go Canes! Drowning out each team's play-by-play -play crew just moments after puck drop and throughout the game. Maurice, who was going into the game with a postseason record of 19-21, knew he needed to fix things up. All four of the forward lines saw changes. It seemed to have worked. All four lines were doing their part, said Carolina forward Way Whitney. The first period was a masterclass by the Hurricanes. Ward has been downright lonely this first period, said one play-by-play -play man. The Devils never got a chance in the first frame. Way Whitney batted in a puck lobbed to the front of the net by Eric Stahl, giving the desperate Hurricanes a one-goal lead. Eric Stahl who could only be described as leading by example, scored the second goal of the night, taking a shot from the top of the dot that bounced off Bordeaux's skate and went in. Cam Ward faced questions coming into the season on whether or not he could cut it as an NHL starter. In December, maybe you're thinking, 
Is it going to catch his game? Said Way Whitney. At this point, Ward had silenced all his detractors. Luke DeCock of Raleigh's News and Observer again summed it up well in a piece published the day after Game 6. His performance down the stretch and in the playoffs should put to rest any questions whether Ward is the goalie for the team now and far into the future. Almost four minutes after Stahl made it a 2-0 game, Tim Gleason collects a rebound in front of Ward's net and sends a pass to Ray Whitney, who was waiting in the neutral zone with Stahl. The two forwards moved with determination to create a two-on-one opportunity. Whitney passes to Stahl, who is now alone with a wide-open net. Stahl connects on the one-timer, giving Carolina a 3 to nothing lead. Eric Stahl had led the NHL in hat-tricks during the regular season. The question was, could he get another one in the postseason? It would be Carolina's first hat-trick in the playoffs. Or would we see a repeat of Game 4? Cam Ward had to stay sharp in the final minutes of the second period. After 40 minutes, the Hurricanes led with 29 shots to New Jersey's 15, 10 scoring chances to the Devils' 4, and 26 hits to the opponent's 21. Yossi Jokinen would score the fourth and final goal of the game after sustained pressure from New Jersey. Momentum shifted after Travis Sajak got called for hooking and John Madden got called for cross-checking only 40 seconds later, giving the Hurricanes a 5-on-3 power play. Paul Maurice called his timeout and drew up a plan as every player, whether on the bench or ice, looked on. Rod Brindamore wins the faceoff, and Carolina went to work, passing back and forth. From the right side of the blue line to the left, down to Ray Whitney, standing beside the goal. Back to Joel Corvo at the blue line. Slowly, the three Devils defenders started to drift out of position. Captain Rod Brindamore sat in front of the blue paint, trying to take away Bordeaux's eyes. Corvo passes back down to Whitney, who quickly passes to Yossi Jokinen, who is sitting back door with a wide-open net. Canes win 4 to nothing. New Jersey would end up with 37 penalty minutes, 29 of which came in the final 8 minutes. Just setting the table for an ultimate Game 7, called out one play-by-play man. New Jersey's David Clarkson dropped the gloves with Tim Gleason. Mike Rupa dropped the gloves with Scott Walker. All four players received five-minute majors for fighting in game misconducts. Mike Rupa also got called for roughing along with his teammate Brian Rolston, who got called for tripping. Post-game coverage celebrated Cam Ward, who answered Bordeaux's shutout with a shutout of his own. Ward was asked if the shutout meant anything to him. Quite honestly, it doesn't matter to me, as long as we win hockey games. Eric Stahl spoke on what's different about Ward. I think it's because he's Marty Bordor. He's had such a successful, long career and won a few cups. And Cam is still making his mark. He's showing that in this series. At this point, the Carolina Hurricanes franchise had been in five Game 7s since the Railers joined the NHL in 1979. Hartford wasn't able to win any of their three, losing to Montreal in overtime in 1986, Boston in 1990, and Montreal again in what would be their final playoff appearance in 1992. For their part, the Hurricanes hadn't lost a winners-take-all game. Both of the series coming during the 2006 Cup run, beating the Buffalo Sabres in the Eastern Conference Finals and the Edmonton Oilers in the Finals. Neither the Whalers or Hurricanes had ever come back from a 3-2 deficit. He will celebrate his 37th birthday in less than two weeks. Martin Brodeur, 98 and 77 overall in the playoffs. In the active annals of the NHL, he has the lowest goals against average of anyone who has ever played. And Cam Ward, 25 years of age, a seventh game win against Buffalo in the Eastern Conference Final and against Edmonton in the Stanley Cup Final in 2006. Impressive in goal. Just a minute and two seconds into the game, Tormo Rutu gave the Hurricanes a chance. Matt Cullen carried the puck into the Devils' zone, followed close behind by Rutu. Once Cullen got the puck to the top of the right faceoff circle, he sends the puck up to Rutu, who fires it on net, beating Bordeaux between his blocker and left pad. Yeah. Rutu with a goal! Tuomo Rutu with a shot that surprises Marty Brodeur. And with just 62 seconds gone, Carolina 
has the one nothing lead. Boudreau, who had won more games than any other goalie in the history of the NHL, didn't have a lot of time to be upset. 79 seconds later, his team would tie the game at one. Parise threw it in front, score! Langenbrenner! Well, I would say that's coming at the Canes with some offense of their own. Devils captain Jamie Langenbrenner was wide open on the far side of the net. A cross-crease pass from Zach Parise, who was behind the net, would be an easy goal. Mike Imrich, who is more commonly known as Doc Imrich, had been New Jersey's play-by-play man since 1993. He laid out the situation perfectly after the game became tied at one. Anyone who has ever seen a Game 7 in anything knows that there are elements of unpredictability and out-of-character things that happen. Goaltending, good or bad. A hero we may not even know about. Someone who normally doesn't say anything in the dressing room did tonight. We don't know. Someone who normally doesn't score might tonight. Simply put, anything can and will happen in a Game 7. When comparing Ward and Bordeaux's in-Game 7 situations, the Netminders again had similar stat lines. Ward had a 1.5 goals against average and a save percentage of 0.936 to Bredor's 1.68 goals against, with a save percentage of 0.928. Only one thing set the two apart. Bredor had a record of 5-3, while Cam Ward had never lost a Game 7 situation. The Devils would break the tie at 13:27 of the first period. Both goalkeepers had to make great saves. But it was New Jersey's Jay Panelanoff who broke through. Laid ahead for Madden, directed across to Shanahan, played it on to Madden, has Pandolfo breaking, threw it across, score! Pandolfo! Well, this one, great news for the Devils, not for the Canes. Brendan Shanahan takes a hit from Carolina's Dennis Seidborg to get the puck into the zone. John Madden collects the loose puck just past the blue line, directly in front of the Hurricanes bench. He sends a cross-crease pass to Pandelanoff, who deflects the puck and beats Ward, who wasn't able to get back in time. The Devils lead 2-1 after 20 minutes. To be a fly on the wall in the Hurricanes locker room after the first period, neither team had won two games in a row. The storyline of the series was about two evenly matched teams that traded chances on their unflappable goaltenders. Paul Maurice needed to keep his team in what could be the final game of the season. Captain Rod Brindamore, who had been scoreless in the series for the first time in his career, knew what needed to be done after leading the team to their 2006 Stanley Cup championship. Eric Stahl, Way Whitney, and Chad LaRose had been dominant all season and through this series. They had chances in the first period, but it wasn't until 3.42 into the second that they came alive in Game 7. LaRose is back defensively. He has it, and out they come. Chad LaRose, a lead pass intended for Eric Stahl. Mike Motto finished off by Stahl. LaRose in the corner. Stahl in back of the goal, holding onto it. Centering one for Whitney. They score! Ray Whitney set up by Eric Stahl from the back of the goal, and the Wizard comes through again. We're tied at two. 16 seconds after killing off a Devils power play, where they allowed only one shot, Chad LaRose sent the puck to Eric Stahl, who was just before the Devils' blue line. Missing Stahl's stick, the puck travels deep into the zone and behind Bordor's net, still flying around the boards. Chad LaRose plays cleanup, passing again to Stahl, who was now behind the net. Stahl collects the puck and quickly backhands it to Way Whitney, who is sitting at the top of the crease. Whitney fans on the pass, but the puck bounces off the front of his skate and bounces into the net to beat Bordor five holes. Officials working the game immediately review the play. New Jersey's play-by-play -play team, without skipping a beat, agree that the goal should stand. It's under review, but I don't know why it would be. Whitney shoots it, as I see it. Now let's see, the puck is coming. Oh, I, I apologize. That is a weird one. Whitney shoots the puck. It hits his own toe. Now, he couldn't have kicked it because he, he shoots his puck. Watch here. He's shooting. He's skating through. 
and he's going forward with it, but there's the skate doesn't come off. The, I mean, he could not have done that if he had tried. I've never seen that. Referee Paul Dvorsky announces the decision at center ice. A good goal. It went off the skate accidental. Carolina's goal drained the energy out of the Devils' faithful. Momentum would belong to the Hurricanes until Matt Cullen got called for slashing Trevor Zegras 7 minutes and 58 seconds into the period. New Jersey got their second power play of the period, and fans inside the Rock came back to life. David Clarkson collects a loose puck just inside his defensive zone. He passes it to Brendan Shanahan, who was skating into the neutral zone with Clarkson. Shanahan sends it up the ice to Brian Gianta, under pressure from Carolina's Yoni Pikkinen. Gianta sends a pass the width of the ice and off the boards to Brian Rolston, who just crossed the blue line. Laid on by Shanahan to Gianta. Shuffled across to Rolston. Big blast, score! That was a rocket ship launched off the launching pad by Brian Ralston. Ralston connects on the one-timer to give the Devils a 3-2 lead. Having a one-goal game is awful until the final horn sounds. Every time an opposing player has control of the puck, they also have the game on their stick. One awkward bounce, and your team shifts from drinking from the keg of glory to battling it out in a dogfight. Two minutes after... Rolston broke the tie. New Jersey's Zebras would get called for tripping Yoni Pikkinen. Carolina would have a chance to get a power play goal of their own. Jersey won the faceoff in their own defensive zone and stood tall at the blue line for the first minute of Carolina's power play. New Jersey was in full control until veteran ringer Brendan Shanahan gets called for hooking Eric Stahl. With a two-man advantage, Carolina gets straight to work. All five skaters took part in 11 passes before Joro Korovoro sees a lane and blasts a shot from the top of the right face-off circle. Bro not only makes the save, but uses his left pad to kick the puck into the neutral zone. Bro makes back-to-back -back huge saves on Brindamore and Jokinen in his 165th consecutive postseason start. He single-handedly denies Carolina's push for a comeback. Devils fans inside the rock roared to full volume. Zach Prize gets called for roughing Tim Gleason two seconds after Carolina's man advantage expires. Having learned from their previous opportunities, Carolina was able to build sustained pressure in the Devil's zone, but still weren't able to break through. The patron saint of New Jersey, Bruce Springsteen's Born to Run was playing inside the rock, a clear sign that Jersey was riding high. Tim Gleason getting called for high-sticking with less than three minutes left in the second period only made things worse for Hurricanes fans. Zach Parise's blood dripping down his left cheek made it a disaster. Tim Gleason would serve a double minor. Carolina suffocates New Jersey's offensive push for the first minute of the four Tim Gleason would serve. Patrick Eliash was the first devil to get a shot off on Ward. His diving shot from three feet out was absorbed by Ward. New Jersey would win the faceoff in control of the game as the clock ticked down to end the second period. Zach Prezi, who refused to go to the locker room, tries to jam the puck past Ward on the left side of the net. Ward makes the save, but checks the net just to make sure. With less than 30 seconds remaining, Jamie Langenrunner sends a puck to the blue paint. Zebras makes a diving play to get the shot on net. Ward stays sharp, reflecting the shot with his left pad. Showing some hubris, Doc Emmerich opens the third period talking about the Devils' second-round opponent. The Washington Capitals had defeated the New York Rangers thanks to a third-period goal from Sergei Fedorov. Let's go, Devils! Was ringing through the Prudential Center. Travis Zajac won the opening faceoff, and the Devils get back to work with a minute and 20 seconds left on Gleason's double minor. Carolina, unwilling to admit defeat, don't allow a shot for the rest of New Jersey's man advantage. Cam Ward had to make spectacular saves to keep his team alive.
Carolina's netminder stopped four shots by the Devils, including a two-on-one opportunity before Anton Babchuk would get the Hurricanes' fourth shot on goal, seven minutes and 11 seconds into the final period of the winner-takes-all game. A little over a minute later, Jamie Langenrenner got called for hooking Tim Gleason, and Carolina had a chance to reverse the mounting momentum against them. Ray Whitney was the only Hurricane credited with a shot on the power play. A nasty hit on Tormorutu shortly after the expiration of Carolina's power play seemed to give a little mojo to the increasingly desperate team from Raleigh. Brewer made three saves in three seconds, finishing with a glove save on a shot from Carolina's Scott Walker. Each team got a chance to either score a game-saving or back-breaking goal. Jamie Langenrenner got robbed just a few feet in front of Ward's crease. Rod Brindamore used what the Devils play-by-play team called a nasty move to walk the puck around Jersey's defense and take a shot on net. Yoni Pikkinen and Patrick Ellis got called for matching roughings after Cam Ward made a glove save on Johnny Oduya. Eric Stahl and Ray Whitney played on Carolina's top line with Chad LaRose. The trio combined for 19 points in the series so far. Hopes of tying a game laid directly on the shoulder of these three men. Towards the end of each NHL season, general managers have to decide if their team is going to be sellers or buyers. If you believe your team has a real chance to make a run for the Stanley Cup, it's your job to acquire reinforcements. On the other hand, if your club has a higher chance of the first overall pick, you might move an expiring contract to improve your draft capital. Jimmy Rutherford saw his team as buyers. On February 7th, he traded for center Yossi Jokinen, dealing two left-shot defensemen and Wade Brookbank and Yosef Melichow to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Both blue liners retired at the end of that season. Less than a month later, Rutherford decided to trade for Eric Cole, who Rutherford himself traded to the Edmonton Oilers on the first day of free agency that summer. Carolina received Yoni Pikkinen in return. Now, eight months later, Edmonton got Patrick O'Sullivan in return for Cole. O'Sullivan was acquired by Carolina earlier in the day from the LA Kings, in exchange for Justin Williams. 16 minutes into the third period, Rutherford had no choice but to look on to the team he assembled as they tried to claw their way back into the game. Acting with the desperation of a team that knew this was likely the end of the current core's run, Carolina took control. They were not willing to go down without a fight. Sergei Samsonov has a backhanded chance consumed by Vordor. Eric Cole wins the board battle and gives an opportunity to Yossi Jokinen who has a shot deflected away by Bordor. There's a minute and 45 left in regulation. Bordor uses his stick to clear a shot away by Samsonov. At this point, Carolina is in control of the game in the Devil's Zone, but Paul Maurice has yet to pull Camboard to give his team an extra attacker. Tim Gleason drops to his knees while overextending his stick to keep the puck in the Devil's Zone. His pass makes it to Yoni Pikkinen at the top of the left faceoff circle. Pikkinen sends it to Yossi Jokinen sitting back door. Freddy Brodeur takes care of that one. A buck 42 on the clock in game seven. Samsonov cutting away from Havlin, attempting a pass that goes over the top of Brodeur. Getting to it, Jokinen back to the point. Yoni Pikkinen inside for Jokinen. He gets it back all the way across. Great play by Havlin, but not out. Now it's Gleason. His shot blocked by Parise. Game by Brindamore. Held in by Gleason from his knees. He sets up Pikkinen. Across they go. They score! What a goal! Rod Brindamore skates the Jokinen with his hands in the air. And, and I don't even know where you start with the praises uh, for what the Hurricanes did in these last uh, couple minutes. Carolina was able to stay alive, but one goal doesn't divert disaster from the hockey team based on Tobacco Road. Following the goal, Carolina didn't relent an inch. New Jersey would get called for icing after a pass to John Madden missed the mark. Not willing to be the reason for another late goal, Madden continued his face-off dominance, and New Jersey clears the zone. Tim Gleason collects the loose puck just inside the Carolina blue line. He passes it up to Chad LaRose at center ice. 
LaRose, a chance for Stahl. Stahl walks in, he shoots one, he scores! Hey, hey, what do you say? Eric Stahl and the Canes have a 4-3 lead in Game 7. The Rock fell silent. In a span of just a few seconds, Carolina turns the tables on New Jersey. And that score has just stunned this crowd. And they are, they are leaving in droves. They, they can't seemingly uh, uh, just stay to watch the rest. Wow. John Madden wins another faceoff, this time at center ice. Martin Bordeaux skates to the bench to give his team an extra attacker. In true Bordeaux fashion, he collects a loose puck in front of the Devil's bench and sends it to Brian Gianta just outside of Carolina's blue line. Gianta sends it to the blue paint where Cam Ward makes a sprawling save after the puck deflects off Tim Gleason's stick. Elias tries for a rebound that's held by Ward. Martin Brodeur watches from the bench as Rod Brennamore wins the final faceoff of the game, with 18 seconds left in regulation. But now the faceoff so critical, and Patrick Elias is taking it. Not really a sentiment out there. Off the draw with Brindamore, and it came back where it shrugged down by Oduya. Got it to Gianta, threw one in front, and Langenbrenner couldn't hook at it. Ten seconds to go. Centering pass, bounces on back. Johnny Oduya with it there. Shot, knocked down in front. They battle for it, and it came along Gianta around behind. Now Elias tried to flip it in front, and the horn will sound, and the Hurricanes have won it. Four games to three, four goals to three, including two in the last minute and 20 seconds. Ward had to stay sharp until the final horn sounds as the Devils frantically move the puck around the net. Carolina's bench clears for a dog pile in Camward's crease. The Hurricanes were heading to the second round to take on the Boston Bruins. This is as sweet as it comes, said Camward. What a finish. It's hard to believe right now, just because we were down 3-2 to two with only two minutes to go. How quickly things can change. That's why you never give up until the final buzzer. Eric Stahl. It was pretty quiet when Yossi scored. We were on the bench, and we were obviously the only ones cheering and pretty excited. We went over the boards after that goal, and we were like, why not get another one? New Jersey forward, Jay Pendelanoff. Yeah, this one has got to be the worst. We had the game won. It's a game seven. It's going to hurt for a long time. Martin Brodeur spoke about Eric Stahl's game-winning goal with only 31.7 seconds left in regulation. It went directly between my blocker and pads. The dreaded seven hole. He beat me clean. I was in good position. I was right where I was supposed to be. Good players are going to make that shot. But the best post-game quote came from New Jersey's head coach, Brent Sutter. I'm pretty shocked and stunned right now. To Yolkman on the near boards to pick and a slap pass across the spot. Oduya punched it away. Now Gleason a right point snapshot. That blocked by Prise. Gleason on a give and go on his knees. Directs it over to Pitkin. A relay in front. They score! On the far side, you see Yolkman was set up with the Kings tie it at 1840. Well, this adds a new dimension to the hockey game. On the cross the slot pass. To the far side, the Hurricanes keeping it in, and Yussi Jokinen set up at the right of the net, hammered it home. And the Hurricanes, without the benefit of the sixth attacker, tie the game. Jokinen with his second playoff goal. Now Gleason to stall. He's across the line. He scores! Stall scores with 32 seconds to go. A stunning wrist shot that beat Brodeur on the long side, and my voice is suddenly back. Unbelievable! Stall came up that right side and roared in and beat Brodeur. And this game seven has had just about everything that we did not expect to see. And suddenly, this crowd is mesmerized and now the face-off coming 
to the right of Cam Ward with the, one of the best paint shop men in hockey, Rod Brindamore, winning it to the boards, hooking it to Cole. He played it off the body and couldn't get it out, and it was sent into the top of the crease to Langerberger, a resetters for the goal mount. It bounces with six seconds to the point. A wrist shot in low. The rebound, turnaround, wrister, block. Elias, the resetter, block. The game's over. Carolina Hurricanes will advance. A miraculous ending. Unbelievable ending in 30 years of watching the National Hockey League and this particular franchise. I don't care what happened on the 19th of June 2006. This has just superseded it. Maybe not in importance. Maybe not in anything but the unexpected, the stunning turnaround of two goals being scored in 48 seconds when the Hurricanes may have been left for dead and all of a sudden they win it in regulation. Final of four to three, they are mobbing Cam Ward, they are hugging each other, and now the greatest part of the game, the handshakes out at center. You may ask why this story is important. Spoiler alert, the story doesn't end with Rod Brindamore winning his second Stanley Cup in Carolina before retiring as a hero. Carolina would go on to beat the Boston Bruins in a Game 7 overtime, but matching up with the Pittsburgh Penguins in the Eastern Conference Finals would prove to be the end of that era of Hurricanes hockey. Pittsburgh would win Game 4, 4-1 on the Hurricanes ice. For the next nine years, Hurricanes fans sat on the outside looking in, not reaching the playoffs again until 2019. This lost decade would become the organization's darkest days in Carolina. Without success on the ice, fans stopped traveling to PNC Arena. Team ownership was dealing with family troubles off the ice that led to an already low cash flow to contract. Worst of all for the fans, everyone started to leave. Rod Brindamore was stripped of his captaincy the following January. Rod has been the consummate leader of the Hurricanes since his acquisition nearly 10 years ago, said Jimmy Rutherford. He is the only captain in the franchise's history to lift the Stanley Cup. The time has come now for Eric to assume the top leadership role for his teammates. This is part of the rebuilding process for the Hurricanes. Brindamore retired at the end of the next season. Six years later, Eric Stahl would be traded away for, as a rental to the New York Rangers. Then Hurricanes general manager Ron Francis said in a statement the day of the trade. Eric has been the face of the franchise for a long time, and we thank him for his dedication, leadership, and many other contributions on and off the ice over the years. We felt this was an important opportunity for us to continue our work in building an organization that can consistently compete in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Paul Maurice would get another full season with the organization before being fired in November of 2011. With his team sitting in last place in the league, Jimmy Rutherford tried to reassure local fans and media. You certainly don't give up on the season at this point, and as bad as we've been over the last five or six weeks, we're really not that far out of being in the thick of things. Jimmy Rutherford himself saw his storied career with the franchise that spanned over two decades come to an end in 2014. Raleigh's News and Observer was the first to report that Rutherford was planning to step down at the conclusion of the 2013-2014 season. At the time, it was reported that Rutherford was smiling as he handed the keys over to his protege, Ron Francis. I've been a competitor my entire life, first as a player, then as a manager, Rutherford said at the time. I can't say how I will feel in three or six months from now, but regardless of how I feel, my days managing this franchise are over. Two months later, he would be hired to manage the Pittsburgh Penguins, where he would win back-to-back Stanley Cups in 2016 and 17. Sword and moments never die in the hearts of fan base. For those 10 years, diehard fans had to survive on the memories that made them feel as one. Moments in the team's history that turns its hundreds of thousands of fans into one. A single voice that can carry them to spectacular victory. And erase the pain of an unbearable defeat. 
Whether you're in the building, sharing from home, or listening carefully on the radio at work, you all feel the same bliss that fills your body with the warmth as if you're a child waking up on Christmas morning. LaRose, a chance for Stahl. Stahl walks in, he shoots one, he scores! Hey, hey, what do you say? Eric Stahl and the Canes have a 4-3 lead in Game 7. Moments like this don't come often. Rod Brindamore kicking his legs while lifting the Stanley Cup is the pinnacle. But on a Tuesday night in early October, you can still overhear a father teaching his daughter about the time Cam Ward stood on the net as Eric Stahl led the way for Carolina to slay the Devils with only 80 seconds left. I don't care what happened on the 19th of June 2006. This has just superseded it. Maybe not in importance. Maybe not in anything but the unexpected. The stunning turnaround of two goals being scored in 48 seconds when the Hurricanes may have been left for dead and all of a sudden they win it in regulation. Final of four to three. They are mobbing Cam Ward. They are hugging each other. Before I let everyone go, I wanted to share a clip and I guess make an announcement that I kind of already made if you're reading the blog. And if you're not reading the blog, why? Why do you hate me? Anyways, really, I do some good work over there. Check it out. But next Saturday, Christmas Eve, I will be releasing a conversation between me and Mike Maniscalco that, honestly, it's the proudest, it's the proudest I've ever been in producing an episode. So look forward to that. We cover a lot of things, whether it's, I mean... Almost his entire career, including the health scare in 2019 in San Jose, what it was like when he, you know, got tapped to be the next play-by-play voice. I don't want to make this go on too long. This episode's long enough, but he just so happened to have a special Shock at the Rock story that I thought I would share a part of. You can hear the full thing next Saturday. Subscribe now so you don't miss it if you haven't already. This is actually a quick story. So Chuck had been fighting it and like he really couldn't talk. And about noon, I get this phone call uh, from one of the PR guys, Kyle Hanlon. Kyle was also the director of broadcasting for the games. And he goes, Hey, can you do the game tonight? And I go, Are you crazy? What do you what do you mean? He goes, he goes, Chuck doesn't have a voice. And we can't, I'm like, okay. So I immediately start, you know, putting everything together and Chuck's like, no, I'm fine. Chuck did whatever he had to do to get his voice ready to go. He uh, he fought through it. But I was always down the hall in, in Jersey just like, okay. Because Kyle kept saying, goes, you could get a text any minute that you're going to have to run into the broadcast booth. But Chuck is, is, is a professional, and he handled the job perfectly. And I believe the call is, and miraculously, my voice has returned. Thank you so much for listening to the Shock of the Rocks special episode of Home Ice Advantage. If you have made it all the way to this point, you might as well subscribe to the podcast. Maybe share it with a couple of friends. These monster episodes take a lot of time to research and write out and plan and pull everything for, so I would really appreciate it. You can follow me at Colin Home Ice, and I will talk to you guys again in the next one.